do your young kids do that's driving you crazy? Are they hitting each other? Not going to bed? Throwing food? Throwing tantrums? Did you ever wish you could ask about these things and get a helpful answer? Well, now you can, because I'm doing question and answer Q&A episodes. So the way to get into a Q&A episode with your question is to join the We Turned Out Okay Facebook group. And to do that, what you do is you go to Facebook and you type in We Turned Out Okay up in the search bar. You have to type in OKAY because just OK will bring you to the fan page. And what you want is the group. So you click you click search, you, you type in we turned out OKAY, you join the Facebook group, and then you ask away, and I will answer your question on the air in a Q&A. Uh, do it soon. I can't wait to hear your questions and help you out. Enjoy the show. Come on, guys. We turned out OK, the modern parent's guide to old school parenting hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15, How to Tire Out Your Kids. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. We, uh, what I did was I put out a, just a, I just asked a question on Facebook. I said, you know, what's your, what are your favorite ways to tire out your kids? And I took, I combined my favorites with the, with all the people who, who, you know, jumped in and commented uh, into, to make this podcast. So basically what I decided to do was to make a, I ended up with a top 11 ways to tire out your kids actually, because, uh, they're just, I needed more than 10. So, so that's what we got. That's what today's episode is going to be all about. The, the top 11 ways to tire out your kids. And this is a part of our summer camp series that we turned out okay has gone to summer camp. And all summer, that means we are giving you great, I don't know, summary, summary things to think about summer thoughts, summer skills, summer big ideas, great stuff. I mean, I've had some incredible interviews that are coming your way if they I mean, they've already started and then they're going to be coming your way again, keep coming until the end of August. And after that, they will be kind of relegated to the archive. So we will always be able to find them. I love one of my favorite things about podcasting is when when you find a podcast that you really love, and you listen to one episode of it. And then you're like, all right, I'm gonna I want more. So then you go back and you find that that person has I don't know, 100 episodes or 10 episodes or something like that. And you can really start to get into what what they what they're talking about. Um, it just makes me so happy. And, uh, and I noticed that people are doing that with my podcast, which is just incredibly gratifying and wonderful. And it means so, so much to me that that you're doing that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you spread the word, more people will will be able to, you know, become old school parents just like you. And I mean that in the best sense of the word. The tagline for, for We Turned Out Okay is the modern parent's guide to old school parenting. And I mean that in an incredibly positive way. I don't know. Some people take the phrase, we turned out okay. And like, they'll say, oh, you know, people use this to mean like, well, I was beaten to a pulp every week as a kid and I turned out okay. Well, that's totally not how I mean it at all. What I mean by we turned out okay, and I hope you know this if you're listening, is that 
stuff happens to all of us. You know, uh, it doesn't matter if you were beaten to a pulp or if somebody hurt your feelings or, or, you know, you had the, you had something you didn't like for dinner last night or something like that. Or, or if you don't have the, the amount of money that you wanted, it can extend into adulthood as well. Um, it's, it's all of us about all of us helping each other turn out. Okay. It's about, it's about worried parents now. Cause I was such a worried parent. I mean, I talk about that a lot on this show. I was a very worried mother. I really, it took me a long time to unwind and relax and let my kids explore the world in their own way. And so part of my thing here is to make sure that you don't have to do that. You can learn from my mistakes. I think that's so important to say and, and to understand. And that's why the tagline is the modern parents guide to old school parenting, because there's a lot about generations past of, of parents that was really, really good. You know, if, if we hover, if we prevent them from exploring the world in their own way, then we're really doing some harm to our kids. And I actually have, I even have an episode about that. It was episode, let me see, I think it was four risks. So four risks that we take with our children every day, and we don't even maybe think of them as risks. It was episode five. I would love it if you'd go back and take a listen to that. It's one of the most popular episodes that I have. It's It's got hundreds of downloads. And um, people really seem to like it and respond to it. So if you if you think you'll get something out of that, please go back and take a listen, and then tell me about it. Gosh, I hope that I hope that what you what you hear here, you like, you know. And and if you uh, if you do, I hope you shout about it. And speaking of that, I want to get into an iTunes review. I like to try and read iTunes reviews. Um, iTunes reviews are ratings and reviews, especially good ratings and reviews, are things that help my show get in, into the ears of more listeners. So if you get a lot of value out of it and you think others will, then please, please leave me an iTunes review and I'm going to read one that I got uh, recently. And actually, this is a special one. This is not a sort of tip. What I love is is when I get, when a stranger, when somebody I don't know leaves me a review. I mean, that's, that's amazing. It makes my heart beat faster. It gives me goosebumps. It means I'm really reaching some people. But this one is actually different. It is from a dear friend. And it's <laughs> she writes, I'm going to leave her name out of this. But anyway, she writes, you definitely turned out okay. That's the name of the like, that's the title of it, which I think is really sweet. And it's, it, she's calling herself message for the soul 15. But in fact, it was massage for the soul 15. I think it was just a little a little mix up there, like a little typo. And the reason is because when when she wrote this, we were sitting together in a courtyard that was full of trees and it was right on the ocean so we could hear the ocean we could see the seagulls we could smell the salty air and everything and um she wrote this i didn't see what she wrote until later but here it is she wrote karen i am absolutely blessed to call you a lifelong friend you have found your calling and i am incredibly proud of what you are doing your appreciation for the spoken word and sharing of thoughts is a unique gift I love to listen to you. I wish you had had kids first. What a role model. So thank you, my love. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You know who I'm talking to here. And the reason I'm not giving your name is because what do you mean? I wish I you had kids first. You have great kids. And you know that. You know that is true. So anyway, I'm talking to you right now, my friend. Um, I am so thankful that you think of me as a role model. And I really, I hope, I hope listeners that that is coming across to you as well. Uh, I'm, what I'm trying to do, I didn't set out to be a role model. I think what I tried to do is to set out to have parents not make the same mistakes that I did. And my mistakes, really, a lot of them had to do with 
hesitating, hovering, helicoptering, not letting my young children explore the world. Because when we prevent them from exploring the world, then we end up with unhappy kids who are timid and kind of afraid to either either you get timid and afraid, right? Or you get, I'm going to do this anyway. Like, screw you, mom. I'm going to do this anyway. And neither of those are, are really good. And um, and my dear friend who's written in here, uh, message, I mean, massage for the soul. Oh, and the reason so we, we called it that because or she called it that because we felt like sitting in this courtyard was massage for the soul. It was just such a wonderful wonderful event occurrence and anyway um so your kids have turned out wonderfully uh and are turning out wonderfully and you know that and uh anyway i am also very glad that you think of me as a role model so thank you thank you thank you so much people please keep those itunes reviews coming they make they make me so happy (laughs) and when i'm happy you're happy because i they also inspire me to to put out more of what you what you need what 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 is going to help you the most that's what i want to come up with for content. So you let me know that by giving me great iTunes reviews. So today's show, back to today's show, it is about the top 11 ways to tire out your kids. And it's like a David Letterman top 10 list. So I'm going to start at, you know how he always starts at, or started, I guess he's in the past tense now, um, started at 10 and sort of worked his way up to one. So what I did was I took the sort of least, the least the ones that got the least amount of like, yes, yes, do that. Definitely do that. I love that. And got and have gone all the way up to the number one one, the one that most people were like, oh, that that is definitely the best way to tire out kids. So it's the top 11. And of course, that 11 comes from if you if you haven't seen the movie, this is Spinal Tap, you have to stop what you're doing right now. And we'll wait for you. This podcast will be here when you're done watching This Is Spinal Tap because it's the, one of the best movies ever. You've probably seen it. And whether you have or you haven't, you might have heard of the scene in it where it's it's basically a sort of a mockumentary. They're following a, a band called Spinal Tap on their like reunion tour. And there's a part where one of the band members is all excited because his he's marked his amplifier to go to 11 he's sort of like written in an 11 on the amplifier and and he's he's like saying well the amplifier goes to 11 because that's that's louder than 10 (laughs) so we have our list starting at 11 because that's better than 10 so the top 10 i mean top 11 ways to tire out your kids here we go number 11 is Hiking with them, hiking. Now, my friend Doug Gray, who's the guy who posted this into um, into my Facebook page, he he basically said hiking with a with a thirty pound pack is how to tire out your kids. So you can tell from that that he is not a man with kids, <laughs> because while hiking is wonderful and hiking with kids is wonderful, you cannot give a kid a thirty pound pack and expect. And he knew that too. I know that was totally tongue in cheek, but um, but anyway, hiking, taking a hike, even if it's a short hike, even if you have little little guys, um, and you just want to get out into the world and and see the world, hiking will tire everybody out in a good way. Um, even if it, even if they're small and you have them in a pack or something, it's, it's the change of scene. It's the excitement. It's the like, it's the, the goal of uh, the, the achievement of reaching your goal, which is when you get to the point where you wanted to, you wanted to get to in your hike where, where the view is or where, you know, the, the water is or, or whatever it is that you're hiking towards. Um, kids feel that energy too, even if they're just being carried around in a pack. And, and once you get back down and you get home and stuff, everybody will sleep better. So hiking is the number 11 way to 
uh, tire out your kids. And I just have to say this too, because we now have dogs. So going through the process of adopting dogs, we, we, we do have two. We, we thought we were only going to adopt one, but when we, when these two were surrendered to our local humane society, we knew that we needed to, we needed to rescue them because they're just awesome dogs. And so, but they're not big dogs. Like we had always envisioned, my husband said the morning that we were to pick them up, my husband said, gosh, you know, I'd always planned on hiking with our dogs, with our dog at the time. And um, that's not going to happen with these two because they're like, they weigh seven and eight pounds. You know, we, they, they're going to be exhausted. And I said, well, we definitely can't take them on a four day hike. Someday we're climbing Mount Washington and, you know, they're probably not coming on that one. <laughs> but then my husband, his eyes lit up and he said, wait a minute, we can get a pack there. They make these like doggy packs. So you can have like, there's a kid carrier pack and now there are doggy carrier packs. And so he basically solved this problem for himself. At first he was like, oh crap, we're not going to be able to take our, our little dogs hiking with us. And then he was like, oh, of course we will. We'll just put them in a pack when they get tired. So that's our big plan. So we're going to hike, not just tire out our kids and us, but our dogs as well. So on to number 10. Number 10 is dance party. A lot of parents really like this idea of having a dance party. And it was first brought up in my Facebook page by my friend and cousin-in-law, Aisha Newton, who has two little beautiful little darlings. <laughs> they're probably like, maybe they're, what are they, Aisha? Are they six and six and four now, I feel like? Oh, they're grown up so fast. Anyway, they're beautiful, beautiful. And when she talks about a dance party, uh, it really brought up this wonderful memory for me of a couple of years ago when, you know that there's a time there'll be, if it hasn't happened yet, there'll be a time in your kids' lives when writing starts to become a thing, like where they recognize the power in writing. Because it is really powerful to put your words on paper and have somebody else read them and understand them. So, and if you're having a hard time, you know, believing that or whatever, I would recommend that you go back to my episode, I think it was episode 10, 10 or 11, which is uh, about reading, how to help your kids love reading. And this would fit right in with this because um, there was a day a few years ago where we were visiting friends and the the kids were all off playing and they were, they were like, we don't know what to do next. What should we do next? And um, we've, we basically said, the parents all said, I don't know, you know, you'll, you'll come up with something. It'll be great. And they came downstairs about 10 minutes later with these handmade signs that said, dance party, all welcome, starting at 5.30 or whatever was five minutes from that moment. And they paraded these signs around, you know, there were four kids, our two and then their two friends, and they paraded these signs around and then they went back upstairs and they cranked loud music. I believe it was the Beach Boys, which was awesome. (laughs) And they had a dance party and they were all tuckered out after that and they 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 had really good night's sleep. So that was good. Yeah, so writing and dance parties, you can combine them in that way. So dance parties, number 10. Number nine is field day slash party games like egg and spoon races or musical chairs. Uh, My friend Nancy Marsh is the one who suggested musical chairs. She talked about when her kids were little. And now I think with even with her grandchildren, what she does is she sets up musical chairs and everybody gets to kind of race to the when the music stops, you know how to play musical chairs. You race to the chairs that are empty. And you could do this in a there's another one that Another one on my list is non-competitive games. And you can, if you have littles and they're, you know, you don't want to turn it into a, com- a competition, like who's going to be left out. Because what a lot of times what people do is they'll take away a chair, right? Well, it's just as much fun for two, three, four, five-year-olds to 
to run around until the music stops and then find a chair. Like you don't have to remove a chair every time. This can be totally non-competitive and still be a blast. It could be a blast for, I mean, even if you're older than that, but for five and under, I would say you can enjoy non-competitive musical chairs. So that, that translates to no tears, musical chairs. Nancy, I don't know if that's how you play it, honey, but, but that's how, that's how we have liked to play it. So field day games, musical chairs, egg and spoon races, ladder sprints, my friend Miriam Ortiz Epino. Uh, mentioned ladder sprints, which we used to call suicides. That was, um, we didn't call them ladder sprints. So that's when you, you're you on a soccer field or a basketball court or something. Or I've seen my brothers do these with hockey, which is awesome. It looks like they're on skates. And any any field where there are marked lines, you've got like, say you've got the, the quarter field line, the half mar- the half yard line, or, you know, like the, ha- not the half yard line, but the the line that marks halfway across the field the line that marks three quarters of the way across the field and the line that marks the other end. And I'm totally using my hands right now, but not that you guys can see that. (laughs) I'm such a hand talker. So you start at one end. You start at one end line and you you run as fast as you can to the quarter line. And then you run back to to the end line. And then you run to the half mark. And then you run back to the end of the field. And then you run to the three quarter line. And then you run back to the line marking the, the beginning end of the field. And then you run to the other end of the field and then you run back. And you can, gosh, I mean, how? Can, first of all, it's fun to play just to see who wins. But also, if you're interested in non-competition, you can, uh, you can, you can, you know, you could be the person who automatically loses. So everybody is trying to beat you, and you lose. As the adult, we we can do that, right? <laughs> and you can do these competitively. That's fun that way too. I'm not. I'm not saying don't ever do anything competitive. But sometimes it's really fun to all be on the same team. So maybe maybe everybody gets ice cream when everybody has crossed, you know, has has run back from that end line all the way to the to the starting line in ladder sprints or suicides. Whatever. I'm sure you can come up with a million other field day and party games. And if so, actually, I'd love if you would shout about it on Twitter. Uh, I've got a search going like a, a on Twitter. What you do. I'm very new to Twitter. So. What you do is if you if you use that hashtag and everybody knows this, I'm mean, you're all rolling your eyes, right? Because I'm like the last person in the world who's this enthusiastic about how you find stuff on Twitter. But anyway, if you do a search of hashtag old school summer vacay, that's vacay spelled V-A-C-A and it's all one word, hashtag old school summer vacay, and you tell me your favorite field day slash party games, uh, I would love to hear about them. I think that'd be great fun. Uh, and even if you have like, if you've got pictures of yourself, you know, doing one or something like that, um, or the medals that you won in the in the three-legged race when you were a kid, field days are so much fun. They kind of give everybody a, a reason to be together outside. And I think that's why they're so good at tiring us all out. So, so that's number nine. So far we have number 11 was hiking, go hiking with your kids. Number 10 was have a dance party. Number nine was field day party games. Number eight is flashlight tag. So this is my friend Dee Dee Osborne. And Dee, if you're listening, please, by the way, she, everybody, she's from episode 000. You can hear her talk in the very first episode of We Turned Out Okay that there ever was. The About the Podcaster episode, my friend Dee Dee is one of the four people who came in and interviewed with me. We all talked together. We had a lot of wine. And then we all talked together about our unplanned adventures. And so you can hear about Dee Dee Osborne's unplanned adventures. Uh, by going back and listening to episode zero. So anyway, my friend D, when you talk about flashlight tag, I don't know how to play flashlight tag. I know that seems crazy, right? I should know how to play flashlight tag number eight on the how to tire out your kids list. But I don't. I mean, what? what so like what happens? You flash your light at somebody and if it hits them, then they're out. 
I mean, because what I guess that's probably what it is. But like, do, aren't there a million ways to doesn't that bring up the, the possibility of kids being like, oh, you didn't get me out. That wasn't me or something like that. I mean, I just don't know. I never played flashlight tag. So if you out there listening have played flashlight tag and you know how to play it, you know what the rules are. Or D, if you're listening, please like Facebook me or, um, you know, send me an email at weturnedoutok.com slash contact or or Karen at weturnedoutok.com. Either of those will get to me. Give me some flashlight tag rules, people, because I don't know what they are. So anyway, that's number eight. If you know how to play flashlight tag, it's apparently a really great way to tire out your kids. Number seven is indoor slash rainy day games like indoor dodgeball or stomping on bubble wrap. So these are these sounded like people made these sound like so much fun. Uh, Erica Chick wrote in about the bubble wrap. She said that when her kids were small, she used to always put out bubble. She would save bubble wrap like from packaging and stuff. And um the kids could just stomp on it. And I I bet you could probably even do like a, you know, like a, not a musical chairs type of game, but like if you have, if you turn on music and have the kids stomp on bubble wrap until the music stops and then they got a freeze or something. Uh, and then when you turn the music back on, they can keep going. Now you got a game out of it. So now it's, it's even more than just stomping on bubble wrap, which in itself is really fun. And uh, other indoor games like indoor dodgeball, <clears throat> which my friend Shannon, she's another person actually who's who's in episode 000. She's my homeschooling friend. Uh, she talked about indoor dodgeball and uh, our friend Amy Blake, who's also a homeschooler, a fellow homeschooler. She talked about uh, the best kind of indoor dodgeball is when she and her husband, they have like five, I think it's five kids, right, Amy? Five kids? I think so. Anyway, they will gather up, she and her husband gather up all the balls they can find in the house, like obviously soft balls. They're not chucking baseballs at their kids, but they'll ambush the kids. So the kids are happily doing something and they will just start up a dodgeball game, which I just, I can totally picture the chaos and fun that that must be. If you guys can ever get video of that, uh, Amy or or other listeners, I would love to see <laughs> um, an ambush dodgeball kind of game. And by the way, these games can be totally translated to outdoor games as well. And I'm remembering a camping trip from several years ago where uh, the I think it was it was all five of us from episode zero zero zero. We were staying in a campground where there was like a lazy river, like a an actual river, not like a man made, you know, cement lazy river, but. Um, there was like a river running through this campground. And what we could do was we could get on inner tubes, kind of we would walk up a little bit and get in inner tubes and just cruise down nice and slow on this river until we got to our own campsite where we would get out. And then we'd refresh our, you know, wine coolers or whatever, and we would get back. But we'd do that on the down low, of course. Um, and then we'd get, we'd walk back up and we'd come back down again on the river. So the five of us are out on the river this one particular day. And unbeknownst to us, our families had uh, put together a whole bunch, like a huge water water balloon ambush. So we're up the river, we're cruising down, and um, like all the families had gotten together, and they they I don't know, they must have had a hundred or two hundred water balloons that they had filled up. And he, the greatest thing was coming as we were coming around the bend, you could see all the kids like waiting. I mean, collectively there must have been I don't know, there were probably twenty kids there. And and their parents and stuff like that. They're especially the dads, and they the kids had these big like cat who swallowed the canary smiles on their faces as they're as they're waiting for us to come down. And they're we're like hi guys, and they're all like hi. <laughs> and then 
And then the other parents pop up from behind rocks or whatever, come out from tents, and they start pelting us with water balloons. It was so funny and it was so much fun. And I can remember my friend Malcolm coming up to me after after it was all over, after we'd gotten out of the water and, you know, everything. And uh, he said, he said, I really just want to give a shout out to your husband who, who did not, he was like, when we proposed this to Ben, he basically said, oh my God, I can't participate in that. Karen will kill me. So what Ben did was he took our two boys who were pretty young at the time. I think they were probably seven and two or seven and three. He took them off to um, get ice cream. So he was like, I, you know, my wife hates to be thrown, have stuff thrown at her in the water. And, and, uh, and so he, he, they were off having like sort of family bonding time while we were getting pelted with water balloons. And, and actually, I really liked that both of those things happened. I kind of liked being a part of this being ambushed, but I also liked that Ben was like, no, no, I can't do that to my wife. I mean, that, what a sweet thing. Thank you, honey, so much. Anyway, um, so those are some really fun. Number seven, getting back to number seven, is indoor and rainy day games. But you can also, as I've just said, you can translate those into, into, outdoor games as well and make them just as fun and and tire everybody out just as much believe me we all slept well that night the night of the uh the water balloon ambush there so number six sent in by john winchenbaugh i went to high school with this guy he's a great guy a couple kids lives in uh lives nearby in a town nearby and uh johnny winch says biking he recommended in fact there's a very specific trail the ashland holliston um, what else? The Ashland Holliston Milford, I think, biking trail. If you're in this part of Massachusetts and you want to get on a great bike trail, there's one for you. The Ashland Holliston Milford bike trail is a great one. So biking is our number six uh, way to tire out your kids. And now we don't have bike riders in our house. I mean, my husband rides um, and our and our youngest knows how to ride a bike, but the oldest guy was never all that interested in riding a bike, I think. And so he does not know how at all. And then I found that after my, um, I've been through the ringer in terms of health. Uh, in fact, today is the fourth anniversary, actually, of the day that I first became unable to walk, the day that I first injured some of the tendons. I have a thing called tendinosis. And over these four years, I've had various limbs that have just stopped working. And not not because they literally stopped working, but because it became too painful to move them. So it's happened with my knee, it's happened with my uh, with my elbows, it's happened with my thumbs last summer. This time last summer, I had 5% use of my hands because my, neither thumb tendon was was working. So, I mean, if you can imagine, like 5%, I could hardly brush my teeth. I, I couldn't pour coffee for myself. I could lift it as long as I took it in both hands and and held it that way up to my lips. I mean, it was so crazy. I almost want to swear about how crazy it was. But... um. I must say that I know I've gotten off a little bit off track, but I have to say how incredibly grateful I am because over this last year, I've learned that I have a tendon thing. It's not just like random limbs giving out. It's a like, and by the way, when I had that knee thing on July the 4th, which is when I'm recording this podcast, Independence Day, happy Independence Day, everybody. July the 4th, I... The kids and I and Ben, we we went to fireworks and we we parked like a mile away from the fireworks. And uh, one of our guys was so freaked out and upset about the fireworks that we almost ran home. And I had I had been kind of laid out on the couch with diverticulitis, which is a really unfun thing that can happen in people's colons when they're not drinking enough water or eating well. And uh, 
I had in earlier in June, I had gotten diverticulitis. It is a bitch to get rid of. I mean, not it's a bitch to recover from. Um, and so I like I had spent the last month just on the couch, like really weak, really sick, really in pain, unable to move. And my muscles were um, atrophied. I mean, I couldn't see that. It didn't look like they were atrophied. But like when I ran home from the July 4th fireworks with with our kids, um, I put too much of a strain on the muscles around this particular tendon. And that put a huge strain on the tendon. So I woke up on July 5th and thought, okay, today's the day I'm going to start canning pickles. Well, I halfway through canning the pickles, my knee stopped working. Like it just started being in tremendous pain. I couldn't go downstairs. I couldn't, I, it was, that was not a good, not a good time in life. And it was the very beginning of this long journey, which, uh, in which I became unable to walk. I was unable to walk for uh, about six months. I was, I, when I, I could walk about 20 steps, but after that it became too painful to walk. So I could get to like the bathroom in my home. I could get into bed. That was about it. And anytime I left, I needed a wheelchair. Like the kids knew how to, especially Max, who was 10 that summer, he knew how to take my wheelchair out of the car, set it up and push me around in it. I mean, isn't that incredible that like a 10 year old kid, I, I hate that he had to do that, but he just did it with such incredible grace and, and oh God, he was so loving about it. They both are. My boys, you know, this, this tendinosis thing has, has taught us all a lot. And one of the things I think it's taught our kids is how to be caring and and how to really care for people in need and that's something that they're going to take over their whole lives i know huge huge digression here from biking but anyway uh, i bring it up because over these four years i have had to come back from a lot of different tendon things and connecting the dots about them to realize that it really was all it all had to do with tendons and um, that i've got this sort of global thing called tendinosis which means that it's chronic tendonitis. So if I don't keep my muscles strong enough, I run into this risk of having tendons that become inflamed and irritated and and just do not get better. I mean, it takes it's taken a year for me to to have hands that work, you know, 80% of the time. So, and even then they get real tired real fast. So I'm still I still have to go really really slow. And so I've learned patience from that as well. But when I was recovering with my legs, when my when the tendon in my knee uh, acted up, and I needed to relearn how to walk, one of the first things that the physical therapist wanted me to do was to get on a bike, like a stationary bike. And what I found is that I I hate biking. Like I, I used to, you know, I, when I was a kid, I would bike around town and I would, it, it was a great way to get me where I wanted to go, but I never was a recreational biker. And um, now I find that my legs don't really like it. Like my, I never feel comfortable on a bike. It it upsets, you know, my quadriceps muscles or or like I'll feel little muscles even in my legs just kind of saying, hello, we don't like the bike. So in our family, biking, I guess this is really where I got started with all this. Biking is, has not been the big deal that it is in some families, but we know families who get on a bike trail and they'll, I mean, even with littles, you know, they'll have like a trailer on their bike or they'll have a seat on the bike for the smallest members of the family, but they'll bike five or 10 miles in a day, especially like around here, we've got these nice flat bike trails. The Cape has, Cape Cod has amazing bike paths. And they're relatively flat. You can go a long, long way and get to a beach or get to, you know, some destination, you know, a town that you want to get ice cream in or something like that. And by the time you get back to your campsite or back to your hotel, your family, you are all tired out. So you have succeeded in enjoying ice cream if, if you went that route or enjoying the beach, having a great, great bike ride. 
and then coming home and everybody sleeps really well that night. So thank you, Johnny Winch, for bringing up that one. Number five on our list. So, so far we've had the top 11 ways to tire out your kids. We've covered number 11 was hiking. Number 10 was have a dance party. Number nine was have a field day or do some party games. Number eight was flashlight tag. Number seven was indoor or rainy game, rainy day games. Number six was biking. And number five is non-competitive games. Games that, uh, that pit a group of people against some adversary, like, um, what am I thinking of? Like, uh, actually, that makes me think of Castle Panic, which is a board game and could also tire people out because it's just so exciting and fun to play. So find Castle Panic. That's a group you basically play as the uh, the defenders of a castle and, and the monsters. There are monsters in the game and they are your adversary. So but in, in terms of non-competitive active games, here's one that I really like. Get everybody in a group like string a a, a rope between two chairs like so from the top of each chair and anchor the chair somehow so that they're not going to fall in or whatever. But then you want to try everybody in the group is on one side of the rope. And your goal is to get everybody over the rope, not under, but over the rope without touching the rope. And, um, you know, here's a game that you're all playing together. And you're trying to get everybody onto the other side. And, you know, you can reward yourself. Like on the other side, you can, um, when you're all on the other side, then that's, that's the obstacle has been cleared to your having ice cream or, uh, or you're building a campfire in your yard and, and having s'mores or, or just a big hug, a family hug. <laughs> that can be the reward for getting to the other side. But the idea is that you're working together. Here's a, here's a physical task you've set for yourselves that you're working together. And then, uh, you know, find two trees and string them a little higher between two trees and see, can you, can you make this obstacle? Can you get across this obstacle? Non-competitive games, really fun, really, uh, really good for tiring people out. And that's number five. So number four is uh, indoor or outdoor obstacle courses. And this one was recommended by Amy Blake. Again, our, our homeschooling friend, Amy Blake. She's got five kids. She must know an awful lot about indoor and outdoor obstacle courses. <laughs> right, Amy? I know that we have done one in our, out, in our yard where we basically, we'd have the kids or us, um, you know, you'd have, to, you'd have to run from the tree to... Uh, one side of our utility trailer. And then you'd have to climb into the utility trailer. And then you'd have to climb out the other side. And then you'd have to do somersaults until you got to the swing set. And you'd have to go down the slide three times. And then you'd have to spin all the way back to that first tree. You know, that was something that we did with the kids um, when they were probably seven and seven and three. And like, we just spent the whole summer coming up with these crazy obstacle courses. And in you know, we try to see how many times could we do them. So not again, non-competitive, you're not seeing who's doing it fastest or whatever. You don't want to, if you can, you want to try and have the kids do some things at least that they're not pitted against each other. They're on the same team. So, so maybe uh, seeing can, can everybody do these, you know, more than one time? Like how many times can you do an obstacle course? Or, um, just doing it for the fun of doing it, not so much because you win if you get to the end or whatever. But um, obstacle courses are great, great things, and they can be done indoors or outdoors. Indoor ones could be things like, um, oh, uh, crawl through the walls, uh, crawl under your, your homemade pillow fort without knocking it down. And then uh, one person picks up the other person's legs and crab walks, not crab walks, um, you know, cartwheels them down the hall. 
and then you come back with crab walking. Everybody's got to get down and um, and do crab walking, which help me remember what crab walking is. Crab walking is when you okay. So your butt is closest to the floor. You're in other words, you, you like say so you lie down on your back, and then you bend your knees and you put your hands. You 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 come up onto your feet and hands, but your side your your sort of. Uh, you're just up off the floor, you know, you're like six inches up off the floor or something. So your butt is off the floor. And now you're using your hands and feet to move yourself around. That's crab walking. So then come back down the hall, crab walking, and go back through the tree fort, uh, not tree fort, sorry, pillow fort without, um, without knocking it down without touching the walls. And then celebrate you finished your obstacle course. So those are fun. Number three is wacky golf. And again, this is my friend Dee Dee Osborne. She talks about, she used to, they used to play wacky golf when her kids were small, which is where you set up uh, frisbees or hula hoops as a place for the golf ball to end up. And I bet what you could do actually is you could put a hula hoop out and throw the frisbee into the hula hoop. You know, you could have a golf course that way, kind of an ultimate frisbee course. Uh, so that's wacky golf. We've never done that, but it does sound like a lot of fun. I think we're going to need to try it this summer. And if you try it, then tell me about it, you know, at hash at Twitter at give me the hashtag uh, old school summer vacay. And, um, and give me some pictures of your kids playing wacky golf because that sounds like fun. Number two, and this is from my son, Jason. He was all excited and a lot of his friends are all excited by the idea of capture the flag and nerf wars. So for those of you who are not yet to the Nerf phenomenon, Nerf, just because your kids aren't, aren't old enough or whatever, Nerf guns, you, if you, I predict, especially if you have boys, that you're going to have like dozens of Nerf guns in your home. They trade them back and forth. They save their allowance money to get them. They, they beg for them for their birthdays. Nerf guns are so much fun. And our kids love to have Nerf wars. And when I say our kids, I mean collectively, like we've, we've participated in Nerf wars that where everybody's got eye protection. Um, we've only done indoor ones. If you do outdoor ones, you have to make sure, obviously, that you pick up all the darts afterwards. But everybody shows up with, with say, 20 darts that are marked. Like they either have their initials on them or some a picture. Some look like uh, Max's one year had happy faces, smiley faces on the orange ends of the darts, which is really cute. And everybody knew that they were Max's. Um, and so what you've got is, sorry, just shifting in my chair a little bit there. What you've got is eye protection, uh, extra extra ammunition, and a gun, and obstacles. So you need something to hide behind. You need like a defined playing field and some, some way to hide behind it. And then you got your teams. So you split up teams. Try to make it so that there's big and little kids on each team. Uh, or adults. I mean, adults, you can have so much fun playing Nerf Wars. Please do it. I've done it. It's a, it's a blast. And, uh, you know, so somebody calls a start and five minutes later, somebody calls the end. And basically everybody just tries to shoot at the members of the opposite team. So you might want to wear something like at one team wears, I don't know, red shirts and the other team wears blue shirts or one team has red handkerchiefs and the other team has blue handkerchiefs, something to identify your team and the other team. And uh, you just you know, strike at each other with your Nerf darts until uh, the time is up. And the way that we've played too, I should say, is there's always a designated like spawn point. I know I love that word spawn. It, it's when you, so if you get killed, if you get killed in a Nerf war, what you do is you run back to the spawn point, you tap it. So if it's a rock or I don't know, something indoors, decide what the designated spawn point is going to be for each team. Then you tap that spawn point and you you go out. So then th- that brings up the other, another great, I love this phrase. You have to have a rule of no spawn camping, which spawn camping is where 
a member of the opposite team basically stakes out the spawn point for your team. So so you die, you go hit the spawn point, and there's somebody right there to make sure that you uh, that you don't escape the spawn point. Like so, in other words, they would strike, they would hit you, you'd have to go back and respawn. They would hit you, you'd have to go back and respawn. You know, they get you with a nerf dart. So the way that you get around that is. We the way that we've gotten around it anyway is we always make the rule there's no spawn camping so you can't just sit and wait for somebody to respawn you have to be out in the field you know not doing that and if somebody does do that if somebody is spawn camping then everybody has the right to say you did not hit me I am still playing you cannot spawn camp so so that's how and it's actually worked out I mean kids seem to get that so and then you can also take this with another you know another part of number two is you can take this to another layer by having playing capture the flag so nerf wars and capture the flag um we've not done this but i think it would be so much fun so each team has a flag there each team gets to figure out who's going to defend the flag and who's going to go out and find people from the other team and or their flag and it's just you know so you're adding another layer to your nerf war so that's number two capture the flag nerf wars and then the overwhelming most popular number one way to tire out your kids here we are we're finally at number one is swimming plain and simple when my friend deb petrella posted this into my facebook page i mean people went nuts swimming 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 it's the best way to tire out your kids it's so much fun everybody can swim it's it is non-competitive i mean you're just you're you're going underwater and seeing how long you can hold your own breath you're doing jumps that feel great to you you're you're learning how to dive you're learning how to do the different strokes you are uh, boogie boarding. You're you're out in the sun. I mean, there's so many reasons why swimming tires us out. And it's such a blast. One of the reasons is because it's such a blast. We don't want to stop doing it. So just yesterday, uh, Jay and I were at the beach with a bunch of buddies. And we spent literally all day from nine o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon running in and out of the water and just letting the waves take us and uh jay really got really good at boogie boarding which was so much fun to watch him and he'd he'd a wave would sort of carry him all the way in and he'd just stand up and he's jumping around he's got both thumbs up (laughs) just celebrating with his little goggles on look so cute um yeah swimming is the best way to tire out your kids so definitely do that and that's our top 10 i'll just reread them for you the top 10 actually 11 that's right our top 11 ways to tire out your kids is number 11 go hiking take them hiking number 10 have a dance party number nine have a field day or do some party games number eight do flashlight tag and if you do tell me how you played it i want to know the rules for flashlight tag number seven do some indoor and rainy games like indoor dodgeball rainy day games like indoor dodgeball or stomping on bubble wrap number six is biking go biking and have a blast. Number five, do some non-competitive games. Find, seek out non-competitive games and get yourselves all tired out with them together. Number four, indoor or outdoor obstacle courses. Number three, wacky golf. Number two, capture the flag and nerf wars. And number one, swimming plain and simple. And that's our whole list. If you do any of these, please let me know about them. Uh, you know, if you have another way to tire out your kids, you can add it to the list. You can email me at Karen at WeTurnedOutOK.com or just go to WeTurnedOutOK.com slash contact. Find me on Twitter at Stone Age Techie. Join our group on Facebook. It's WeTurnedOutOKAY. Okay, okay, uh, and I wanted to say too about that, you know, hashtag old school summer vacay. If you, if you've got another way to tire out your kids to add to this list or you just want to share some pictures or some of your favorite ways to 
to do that at home, please use hashtag old school summer vacay and let me know about it. I can't wait to hear about it. Thanks again for listening. It's so gratifying. It's I feel so grateful that that you let me in your ears once a week. I think it's wonderful. And I just want to thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I have one last special thanks today for our producer, inventor of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups more. It's delicious. You should try it. Just sub out the, the Hershey bar for a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Oh, God, it's good. Yes, inventor of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup some more and 18-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want to take to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. I want to pee in the woods. Theater, 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 theater,